This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today, I am not so genial as I always am. This is a recording. I've tried a couple recordings. Got a little impassioned. Some people would say I was ranting. But here's the thing. If you're impassioned about children reading, what about the children? Some people call you impassioned if they're for what you're saying. If they're against what you're saying, some people would call you ranting. So am I ranting or is this impassioned? I don't know, but I'm a little PO'd about this, pardon the salty language. And why that is, it's because the Minnesota State Legislature passed a law called the Read Act, which is forcing me to lie to my students. It says right there in the law, you must lie to your students. You think I'm just using hyperbole, don't you? Uh, and my students, by the way, I, I work in a teacher preparation program here at Minnesota State University. I teach literacy methods, and I am now required to lie to my students. And I'm going to just explain some of the lies today. One of the standards which I must now teach with fidelity says this. Students must know phonological and phonemic awareness, including, and I'm going to go through A, B, and C. The first one, they must know the phonemes that make up the English language. That's what I must teach them, and my students must know these. The phonemes that make up the English language. Now, a phoneme is the smallest unit of sound. There are 44 phonemes in the English language, units of sound. In all world languages, there's about 220. And my students must know the 44 phonemes. And I ask unto you, why is this important that students know all of these? How many of you know all 44 phonemes? How many practicing teachers know the 44 phonemes that make up the English language? Yet, I must teach my students this. They must know that. And I'm lying to them if I tell them that this is important. And it's not. The second lie is part B. My students must know, and I must teach them, the ways in which reading achievement is related to phonological and phonemic awareness, comma, including the ability to recognize word boundaries, to rhyme, and to blend segments, substitute, and delete sounds in words. Okay, all well and good. These are things related to phonemic awareness and the way reading achievement is related to phonological and phonemic awareness. Related to reading achievement related to reading achievement. First, how do you define reading achievement? Is it reading test taking? The ability to read a paragraph and fill the correct bubble? Or is it related to creating meaning? Reading achievement? Or is it related to create meaning with print and use this, use reading, in a real-life setting to create products and solve problems? Is the ability to use reading in the real world or to use reading in the school world? I posit, and I tell my students, we're not getting students ready 
to exist in a school environment. Rather, we are preparing them to exist in a global environment where they must interact with a variety of people and use literacy for real purposes to solve real world problems. That's what reading achievement is. Not to score well on your little snapshot, on your one size snapshot, demonstrating their ability to perform literacy tricks on an achievement test. Rather, reading achievement is the ability to create meaning with print and not to extract your meaning, but to create meaning with, to analyze, to evaluate, sometimes to criticize, to synthesize what they read. That's reading achievement and not performing like a stinking trained seal. By the way, am I ranting now or am I passionate? All right, phonological and phonemic awareness, how that's correlated with reading achievement. And let's look at phonemic awareness, but reading achievement. As any student in a ninth grade statistics class can tell you, correlation does not infer causation. If things are correlated, that does not mean that one thing causes the other thing to occur. Of phonemic awareness, that does not cause reading achievement to occur. A level of phonemic awareness could be the result of something. In this case, it's the result of being exposed to books and print and good conversation before entering preschool in kindergarten. It's an effect of that. High exposure, so it's the high exposure to reading that's related to reading achievement, not phonemic or phonological awareness. It's a co-relation, not a causal relation. And this is not to say that these things are not important. Phonemic awareness and phonological uh, awareness are important components at the emergent level in preschool and kindergarten. But to present them as causal variables would be lying to my students. And I must lie. And by the way, am I ranting now or am I passionate? I always have to check. Am I ranting or am I passionate? I guess it depends on your point of view, doesn't, doesn't it? All right. The next part, reading achievement is related to the ability to recognize word boundaries to rhyme. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe some of this is it's important. No one is arguing with some of these things are important. But word boundaries is where one word starts and another stops. Yes, this is concepts of print. And this is basic stuff in preschool and kindergarten. And rhyming, yes, rhymes have always been an important part of pre-K literacy instruction. It enables you to develop phonemic awareness, hearing similar sounds in words. And this helps students begin to recognize phonograms and other word parts. And it's important at the preschool and kindergarten level. But of course, not grades one and beyond. And is it related to reading achievement? Does it cause reading achievement? That, my friends, is a bit of a stretch. Yes, there's, is there a strong 
causal relationship between recognizing word boundaries and rhyming and later reading achievement. That is questionable. And does separating word boundaries and rhyming, does that produce better results than, say, reading lots of books, reading, talking, and writing? Is that direct instruction? Is that better than those things? Now let's look at blending, segmenting, substituting, and deleting word parts. This has to do with sounds, and again, this is phonemic awareness. Is there a strong causal relationship between blending, segmenting, substituting, and deleting word sounds, and later reading achievement? Does the former lead to the latter? Does it cause it? And is it more effective than simply a bunch of reading, a bunch of writing, a bunch of talking about good books? No, there's no causal relationship that has been established. But yet, the state of Minnesota requires me to lie. The READ Act that was enacted in May says, Dr. Andy Johnson, you must lie to your students at Minnesota State University. And being the good state employee that I am, I do. I lie to them. But I tell them it's a lie. Students, today I'm going to lie to you. Here it is. And then I tell my students why it's a lie. And I point to the research that shows it's a lie. A variety of research studies, not just one. And then I point to the state senators and representatives who voted for the lie. And then I show the experience of these lawmakers who are really lie makers. I show how much experience in, in teaching reading that they've had or reading research. And here's the biggest lie of all. I am not to mention, the state law says, the three queuing systems. And I ask, is this pre-war Germany? Am I to ignore all the research I've read over the last 30 years? Am I to ignore all my own practice teaching, including tutoring struggling readers over the last 10 years? Am I to lie to my students and tell them that they must teach their students to use only a certain amount of information to recognize words and create meaning with print? If I do this, it's going to impede their ability to teach reading. It's going to impede their students' ability to learn how to read. The sad thing is you don't know what the three queuing systems are. You don't teach it. It's not a strategy that you teach. It is merely a recognition that students use, our brains use a multitude of data as they're reading, during the reading process to recognize words and create meaning with print. Not just letter clues, but context clues and uh, uh, grammar and word order clues. That's called context, that's called syntax, semantics, and phonics, all three of them. That's the biggest lie. I'm to tell my students not to do this. Now, by the way, 
I do tell them to do this, but I don't call it the three cueing systems. I call it neurocognitive systems or interactive systems. To not do this, to not teach this to my students, to not teach them strategies to use to enhance their ability students of their students to create meaning with print, that would be dishonest. The state of Minnesota pays me to be an expert in literacy. I am paid to be a literacy expert, and I take my job very seriously. I get up and I read research every day. I synthesize the research. I write books and articles because the state of literacy is evolving. It's not static, it's ever evolving. And those that say reading, it's a proven fact. There is a proven method. That just shows naivety and lack of understanding about reading research. It is not a proven state. Everything is in evolution. And what works best for one student in one situation for one purpose may not work for other students. To say that phonemic awareness, an important part, but that works for some students, doesn't mean you should be teaching it in fifth and sixth grade to enable students to comprehend. That's just kooky talk. Now, the other sad thing is, you know, in Minnesota, science of reading people, you can't make your argument using reason and research. You've lost the argument. You can't make your case in an academic setting. So what do you do? You convince lawmakers and you bring in a, a radio hooligan, Emily Hanford, and you pass laws to bully and threaten those that have a different view than you. To bully and threaten to get your way, not based on research and reason, but based on your perceptions, your I thinkisms. You don't realize that the only winners here are the publishing companies, the profiteers, the corporatists, who are making millions, millions off our students and off our taxpayers, and at the expense of our students and our taxpayers. And I say to Heather Edelson, they should name this bill after you. So five years from now, you take full credit for what you did in sponsoring this bill. I want, I want to call it the Edelson bill so that in five years we see that students are not any better. They're probably worse. And the achievement gap, which is really the equity gap, will have widened. Five years. Minnesota, at one time, I thought you were better than this to threatening people. But apparently you're not better than this. You're worse than this. And for that, I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed of my state legislature. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.